0: Hello, and welcome to the Lake Forest Church Huntersville Sermon Podcast. We are a community of skeptics, spiritual explorers, and longtime followers of Christ. To learn more about who we are as a church and how you can get connected, visit lakeforest.org. Good morning. I'm Mike. I have the immense privilege of being the lead pastor here. I also uh, have the honor of of being the founding pastor. We want to take a moment and uh, when we come here every Sunday, we we, uh, dig into a part of God's word. We believe the Bible is God's word, the Old and New Testaments. Uh, It's infallible and all that it intends to teach us. Um, but but we bring ourself to God's word, like it's an interaction. And so we wanna stop for a second and just pray about a part of ourself that's coming today to God's word. Because we're, we're pretty used to, we've gotten used to in, in this age of uh, looking on our, at news on our smartphone or on our TV and hearing about another shooting every time. It takes a little chunk out of us and we also get a little bit immune to it. Um, It shakes us, but Tuesday's shooting at UNC Charlotte is more personal. That's the university of our cities. Most of us know someone who works there, who went there, who is there, even on campus. It feels like home. This reminds us every time that we do live in a broken world. Just in case we're tempted to be a smiley face Christian, everything's hunky-dory and cute. I'm not going to la-la-la, I'm going to tune out badness. That's not our faith. Our faith teaches us to be ultimate realists, that we live in a fallen world. But as followers of Jesus and his church, we pray that we will be beacons of hope, a place of refuge, of love, and of healing, ultimately, through the gospel of Jesus. And we all seek God's guidance as we make sense of these tragedies and respond as Jesus would. And so today, with our family of Lake Forest churches, there are three of us, about to be four, we're going to pray for UNC Charlotte in our city. Would you join me and stand, please? And let's pray this aloud together, if you will. Lord, in our shock and confusion, we come before you. In our grief and despair, in the midst of hate, in our sense of helplessness, in the face of violence, we lean on you. In the face of hatred, may we claim love, Lord. May we love those far off and those near. May we love those who are strangers and those who are friends. May we love those who we agree with and understand, and even more so, Lord, those who we consider to be our enemies. For the families of those who have been killed, we pray. For the shooter, help us to pray, Lord. For our communities that have lost members, their anger, grief, fear, we pray. For the church is striving to be your light in darkness beyond our comprehension. We pray, Lord, have mercy, heal our sin-sick souls, make these wounds whole, Lord. Amen. You may be seated today. We're continuing our series, Follow Me. When Jesus says, follow me, what does it mean to follow him as a Christian? And this morning, a salt life disciple. Don't you all have salt life stickers on your truck, on your minivan? Salt life disciple. Mark chapter 1, verse 16. We'll start right there. As Jesus walked beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon. We'll put this on screen. As Jesus walked beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and his brother Andrew casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. Come, follow me, Jesus said, and I will send you out to fish for people. At once, they left their nets and followed him. Today is about being a salt life disciple like Simon here in this moment, Simon Peter. As we study this moment when Simon first hears Jesus say, follow me. I want you to be sure that you know that Simon, who's also called Peter, is kind of a big deal in the New Testament if you're new to Bible study. 200 times you'll be interested, you Bible scholars, 200 times Simon Peter is mentioned in the four Gospels. All the other 12 major disciples combined are only mentioned 50 times. John, considered the beloved disciple, is only mentioned 18 times in the four Gospels. Simon Peter 200. He is the primary figure through whom we are meant to learn what it means to be a follower of Jesus. And that is our after Easter sermon series. Jesus' invitation is, yes, to believe, but it's to follow. And when we see Peter accept this invitation, did you see that? At once he left his nets and followed what we see in Simon Peter is a flawed human disciple of Jesus. And Peter obviously wanted us to know that because at least one if not two of the Gospels are based on his eyewitness account, recounting. Like we have the examples of Peter's flawed humanity in the Gospels because he himself told these stories over and over again to the early church. And he wasn't afraid to be embarrassed about his weakness and failures as a d- follower. He knew it would help you and me. And so we see times Peter's confusion, confused, mistaken. He opposes Jesus at times. He was a flawed yet faithful disciple. And when we look at him, we're meant by the gospel authors to then see ourselves in the story. As a flawed yet seeking to be faithful follower of Jesus. So I hope you see yourself in Simon Peter today. His name in in Hebrew was Simon Bar-Jonah. That meant Simon, son of Jonah. He had a brother named Andrew. He grew up in the town of Bethsaida on the north shore of the Sea of Galilee, also called the Lake of Genesaret. The name of the town he grew up in, Bethsaida, that name itself means house of fishermen because it was a fishing village. And Simon and his brother, when we meet them, Andrew, they run a fishing business and they apparently have at least a couple of employees and they fish the Sea of Galilee. Fish was the primary staple of the diet in that area. Now, Simon Peter, we know, ends up marrying a girl four miles over from the town of Capernaum. And he moves there. Uh, We know that taxes from history on that part of the shore of the Sea of Galilee were less than where his hometown was, even though it was just four miles away. So maybe he moved for business taxation purposes. But apparently, also, his father-in-law died young. So Simon Peter and his wife come to live in his mother-in-law's house in the village of Capernaum that is also by the Sea of Galilee. So a few things we we learn about Simon Peter as we see ourselves in the story. Especially Lake Norman people, we figure out Peter loves the water. And I'd bet a million dollars a whole bunch of you chose to live in this area, even if you can't afford to live on it, because of its proximity to Lake Norman and the vibe, the salt life vibe that we have here. I always tell people the difference between South Charlotte and Lake Norman is the same bank executive, male or female, who works at the same floor at Bank of America. If they live in South Charlotte and they show up at, at, at Harris Teeter on Saturday morning grocery shopping, they're still wearing khakis, a button down, although it's untucked, and penny loafers with no socks. Up in Lake Norman, they got their bathing suit on, flip flops, and a raggedy t shirt with holes in it. Same person. That's like the, this is a Salt Life area here. And he must have loved the lake. Now, if you you love the lake, you want a boat. Not me. I like having friends with boats. But some people (laughs) like having boats. And, and, And he did because his business was on it. And here's a fact that we know. Peter's boat was 26 feet long. We actually know that with high probability. Archaeologists found a boat, a first century boat, stuck in the mud near Capernaum in 1986. It was a year of intense drought, and they found wood sticking up from the receding shoreline. They carbon dated the wood. It goes back to the time of Jesus and Peter, and it's the standard commercial fishing boat from that time, and it's 26 feet long. That's cool. We know how big his boat was. I want you to imagine what Simon Peter was like. He makes his living casting nets. This is net fishing, you do it at night because the fish can't see the net descending, bringing their doom from on high. Uh, So the fish at night, throw out the ropes, uh, throw out the, 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 the nets and haul in the ropes over and over and over. Would you close your eyes with me for a second? I want you to look down with your eyes closed and imagine Peter's hands holding the net. The rope that surrounds it. What do his hands look like? Just take a second. What do, imagine, this is the way we read scripture. What do his hands look like? Do they look manicured and well nourished with lotion from a men's boutique? They look like fishermen's hands. You can open your eyes. This is Peter. He works really hard. He works nights. His hands are callous. Probably he has fisherman's humor that's a bit more salty than knock-knock jokes. Probably, I think, goes out with Andrew for a beer after work. Beer existed in that town in that day. He's a salt of the earth dude like many of us imagine ourselves to be, no matter how white-collar we are. And in our opening scripture, we saw Jesus walks up to him with his nets and says, Follow me. And Peter, it says, at once, drops his nets instantly. Here's something you need to know. To, be, uh, to know the scriptures. The four Gospels are the four eyewitness accounts of Jesus' life and ministry. They give four different eyewitness points of view, which are always different, aren't they? Mark's is always the most brief. So like, if you're like, looking for a shortcut to read the Gospels, read Mark. It's the shortest. Every account is briefer. And in many of the other Gospels, they give a little more information. And the other Gospels fill us in that there's a backstory between Jesus and Peter. He didn't just like, who's that guy? Jesus, oh, Jesus put the Jedi mind trick on me and said, follow me and I'm gonna leave my nets and go. No, 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 there's a lot of backstory and I wanna give that to you today. It's really interesting. The Gospel of John, for instance, says Peter met Jesus before this moment by the sea when Jesus says, follow me. So you see, Peter's brother, Andrew, it turns out, is described in John chapter one. You can flip through the scriptures if you've got your Bible open. In John one, you'll see Andrew described as a disciple of John the Baptist, as his rabbi. And when John the Baptist baptizes Jesus, you'll remember that account, and, he, and then he says to his disciples, John the Baptist does, hey, that's the long-promised Messiah. Andrew goes and gets his brother, Simon Peter, and says, dude, we need to meet Jesus. John the Baptist says he's the Messiah, and they meet him down at the Jordan River, and, and, and look what Jesus does this first time he meets G, Simon Peter. This is cool. John 1, verse 40. This so shows you that Jesus, this is a bit of the humor of Jesus I mentioned last week. If you have eyes to see, you see his humor. Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, was one of the two who heard what John had said, John the Baptist, and had followed Jesus. First thing Andrew did was find his brother Simon and tell him, We found the Messiah, the Christ, and he brought his brother to Jesus. Jesus looked at Simon Peter and said, You are Simon, son of John. You will be called Cephas, (coughs) which when translated is Peter. Jesus meets Simon and goes ahead and gives him a nickname. You remember the character Sawyer on Lost? He'd always give you a nickname instantly. Jesus is that kind of guy. He actually does it. It was always funny. He was always messing with them, sometimes critiquing them, and Jesus does this quite often, which is so interesting. And nicknames are a friendly kind of deal, like the F3. If you're part of this F3, these I think it stands for fanatics and fitness. Uh, getting up at five o'clock in the morning. Uh, but they give each other nicknames, and that's part of like the shtick of it and being friendly. And, and so Jesus says, Simon, hey, you're Simon, the son of Jonah, but from now on, uh, John, you're going to be Peter. And you know what Peter means? The rock. And you know, Peter was like, I like that nickname. The rock. I'm going to use that from now on. The is going to go on my boat, my 26-foot-long fishing boat. Rock. And, 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 and so this is when they first meet. That's part of, That's the beginning of the timeline, leading to Jesus saying to him, later, follow me. Then, let me give you the timeline now. From that moment, from his baptism, and Jesus is baptized by John the Baptist. He, call, he nicknames Peter. Hey, man, you're the rock, but I got some business to do. And Jesus, here's the timeline, goes off into the wilderness. This is when he goes for 40 days to talk to his heavenly father. He fasts, and he's tempted by the evil one. And Andrew and Simon Peter, they go back up north to their hometown of Capernaum now and get back fishing. And after 40 days of temptation in the wilderness, Jesus goes home to his hometown and preaches in Nazareth and is rejected. That's up in the mountains. And then he makes his way down the mountain to the lake and settles in from Blowing Rock down to, to Huntersville and settles in to preach in the synagogue of Capernaum where the gospels tell us for a period of time Jesus preached every Sabbath as the town rabbi and Peter was likely there very often and heard Jesus preach regularly. Now Luke 4 if you're flipping through your bible gives us another significant encounter Simon Peter had with Jesus before he decided to become a disciple and follow rabbi Jesus. Simon Peter's mother-in-law it appears is deathly ill with a fever and we're told that Jesus was on his way back from the synagogue I, I, he was probably teaching maybe it was a sabbath day Luke 4:38 Jesus left the synagogue and went to the home of Simon. Now, Simon's mother-in-law was suffering from a high fever. This is how we know Simon lived with his in-law's house, with his wife. And Jesus, I won't read the whole account, miraculously heals her fever. And that began a pattern of Jesus being hosted in Simon Peter's house that night, quite often and regularly. It became sort of his headquarters. So you see, Jesus had met Peter now a number of times. Was the rabbi in the town synagogue, gave Peter an F3 nickname, healed a family member, stayed at his house, drawing Peter toward the message of the kingdom of God. That despite of school shootings, despite of my own inability to live up to what I even want to live up to, God is doing something new. The kingdom is breaking in through Jesus Christ The kingdom will break in and will begin like a mustard seed through Jesus' work, his atoning work to forgive sins on the cross and his work to break the grip of death when he rises again three days later. And Jesus is drawing Peter to be part of the kingdom of God movement that's just a mustard seed size right now. Let me show you Capernaum where this takes place. Uh, uh, I and some Lake Forest friends were there several years ago. There's Capernaum. You can see the Sea of Galilee behind it. This white structure here, uh, um, uh, and and by the way, what's interesting is the majority of Capernaum is still unexcavated despite the fact it was Jesus' headquarters for ministry for three years. There's so much to learn. But, But the white is the site of the ancient synagogue. That's in the foreground there. And it's actually they've used materials that had fallen down, and they unearthed it and they rebuilt the synagogue. What it was would have looked like. They know what it looked like because of the ruins from the first century. The synagogue Jesus preached in, and here's what it looks like on the inside. This was the most profound. I'll show, next slide. This was my most profound moment. I wanted to just sit here. This is Jesus' church. I could just see him, uh, where, I, where this picture's from is actually where the rabbi would sit. And I just sat there and I was really ticked off the bus had to leave uh, after a half an hour. It was, I hope you get to go there sometime. Now let's go back one slide if you will, Jim. Uh, our, our, our slide dude this morning is Jim Nault who's been doing it for 17 years and they had their first grandbaby last night. Uh, so, so uh, now over to the left, that octagonal building is where the tradition says, and it was, still would have been local memory since the early 100s that Peter's house was. So you remember that detail? Jesus was on his way from the synagogue, and they said, Hey, my mother-in-law is sick. It was just steps from the synagogue. No wonder he based himself there. Now let's get back. Let's let's turn to Luke chapter 5. That's where we're going to finish. This is our whole rest of our time. I'm not yet finished, but Luke 5. Don't get your hopes up. This this brings us to the day. Now, here's the fuller account of the moment when Jesus said, follow me in Luke 5. And we're going to dive in here the rest of the time. This is the extended DVD cut of of the calling of Simon Peter. Peter and Andrew had gone out at sundown to fish like they did. They fished all night because with net fishing, fish can't see it. Caught nothing, came home discouraged. It's morning, they're cleaning out their nets, which you have to do, otherwise they'll rot. Along comes, you know that with salt life, you gotta clean stuff. Along comes Jesus, and Simon has now met him all the times that I've described, plus in the synagogue with great regularity and out when he's teaching. And a large crowd is gathered to hear Jesus teach near, at the, play, near the place where Simon tethers his boat. Simon, Peter, and Andrew are tired, discouraged from fishing all night, not catching anything. They're a bit broke. They don't have anything to go exchange for money and they're ready to go home and rest or have a drink. And Jesus comes along teaching a huge crowd of people. Luke five, verse one. One day, Jesus was standing beside Lake Genesaret. That's a different name for Sea of Galilee. When the crowd pressed in around him to hear God's word, Jesus saw the two boats sitting by the lake. The fishermen had gone ashore, were washing their nets. Jesus boarded one of the boats that belonged to Simon and asked him to row out a little distance from the shore. Jesus sat down and taught the crowds from the boat. We're gonna dig in here for just a minute. A, a, a different detail than is usually an emphasis when I have studied or taught this passage. Jesus says, hey, rock, oh yeah, I'm a rock. <laughs> Remember me, come here, I need your help. Can I step in your boat and teach from there? Because all you lake people know how, when you're in a boat, your voice amplifies back to the shore. So don't be divulging private details. Um, How do you think Simon Peter felt about this request? Jesus, I'm tired. We fished all night without catching anything. We're just now finishing cleaning our nets. I just want to go home. I'll catch your next sermon at the synagogue. How about that? But Peter doesn't say that. He helps Jesus into the boat, pushes it a few feet from shore, and holds it there so Jesus can teach. This... I submit to you is a unique way Jesus is connecting with Peter and building their relationship. There's a history here. He's slowly pouring into one more person, just like we're called to do, to love one more person with extended friendship over time. Somebody who we think needs more of the love of God through Jesus and their life. And here's his next step. A great way to build a relationship is to say, hey, can I borrow a cup of sugar? Hey, could you take my mail in this weekend while we're out of town? Um, can you help me? That's a great way to build friendship. You humble yourself. And I think Jesus is doing that with Simon the Rock. Hey, I need your help. Remember I healed your mother-in-law last week. I just need your boat as a platform. Okay, sure, I can do that, says Peter. And and Jesus is speaking. Simon's in the back of the boat with his oar stuck in the mud to anchor them, and he has to listen. Like he can't even fall asleep because all these people are looking at him. I like that about about our five o'clock service, the table, we set up the chairs in the round. And everybody can see you if you fall asleep. There's just a little more accountability than you have right now. I kind of like that. Um, Maybe Jesus is thinking, if Peter is this close to the kingdom, maybe he'll get it this time. Because Jesus is relationally inviting Peter to join his movement to inaugurate the kingdom of God through the person and work of Jesus Christ as we know it in the gospel. So let's reflect on this part of the story. What did Jesus ask him if he could use? His boat. Jesus likes to borrow our stuff. He likes to borrow what you have, your skills, your abilities. He can use whatever you have. He didn't ask Peter to build him a platform to stand on. Peter wasn't a a carpenter. He was a fisherman. So can I borrow your boat with you in it? Jesus calls us to use what gifts we have at our disposal to accomplish his work and further his kingdom. What does that look like exactly? Well, as part of your church, whether it's this church or another one. You, you hear Jesus kind of asking all the time, like when you hear us saying, hey, you know, folks, uh, for summer serve, kid travels on Sunday morning, or uh, we're doing, going on a mission trip to build an orphanage in Honduras. Uh, hey, we need a, another drummer in the band or, or a DJ for the band. We really need a DJ for the band, by the way. There's got to be somebody out there, Wh- whatever. These are moments, that's not always for everybody, because all y'all can't DJ. But it's for somebody, and it's Jesus saying, hey, can I borrow your boat with you in it? Jesus is calling all of us, if we follow him, to do something with the time, talents, or treasure that you have. I was reading the Bible this Thursday morning for my devotions early in the day, and I felt a a, a nudge, a Jesus-used-my-boat nudge. And here's what it sounded like. It was was directly related to the scripture I was reading. It wasn't a voice in my head, it was a voice in the Bible because God's always speaking, and here's what it translated to. Mike, write an encouraging email right now to that person who hurt you 10 years ago and you've cut them off, and that ain't right. And I don't know about Peter, on the day when Jesus said, hey man, I know you've been out all night, but can I borrow your boat? When I felt that nudge that Jesus wanted to use my boat of an encouraging email, or when I feel it when he wants to use some of my treasure or my time or my talents, almost always it's when I have no margin of time to add something else or extra money, just lying around with nothing else to do. Well, Jesus, since I got all this cash laying around in $100 bills, okay, though it's never that time. Or in this case, I didn't emotionally want to encourage that person. I was emotionally limited when their face came to my mind. But I did it anyway. Because I remember Simon the Rock loaned his boat to Jesus that day, even though he didn't want to. So it's usually not, oh, cool. Jesus asked me to borrow his boat. Man, I got a nudge to loan Jesus my boat by serving Jesus with my time, my dollars, or my trade. No, it's usually, dude, Jesus, I'm stinking busy right now. I'm overdrawn. Can you find someone else? Let me think of some examples. Oh, man, there's a lot of examples in this room of when Jesus nudges to use our stuff, our gifts, ability, skills, time, money, as part of following him, Let him get in the boat, use our stuff to further his kingdom to reach one more person at a time. Back in December of 2018, there's something I didn't even tell you. We've supported an orphanage in northern India for a bunch of years, and some of you support the children there, and that's wonderful with Asia's Hope. And about that time, a guy came to me in mid-December and said, hey, I'm planning on giving a, a financial year-end gift to Lake Forest Church, and I'd like for as much of it as need, is needed for the ministry and mission budget, because I know that's what you do as a church, but is there any special need? And I said, interesting, I haven't even told the church yet. But, but our orphanage in northern India is going to fall $15,000 short this year. Been a drop off of some supporters, and we don't really have a plan for that. I was just going to get to December 31st, and we'll figure something out with them. He said, I'm good for it. In other words, Jesus, I got this boat here. If you can use that to clothe and educate and disciple 28 orphaned children being reparented by these blessed house parents, Use my bow. I thought that was beautiful. Um, and I think I had a picture of, of the orphanage. Maybe it was already up there. Um, I have another picture, our, co- our cottage out in the prayer garden. Um, uh, we have a slim budget for the prayer garden that's going up over here because um, it took a lot of money for the other stuff in our measurably more vision. And and, and so, Suzanne Powell and Angie Moses volunteered to do landscape architecture, design the garden, and they purchased the plants and planted them with help. Bruce Phillips recently, he he sort of, Sort of retired early, and he's a skilled carpenter. And when nudged by Jesus, he offered immense amount of time and craftsmanship skills, and designed with Angie and built the prayer cottage that's almost finished out there with help from Mike Thompson. His skill is laying stone and other stuff. Brian King, Andy Elliott put in put in a bunch of uh, uh, of man hours. Um, unskilled man hours, and I, as did I. I, I dug holes, uh, and now Chad and Nathan are building a pergola over the patio out there, and the 20-something group has offered themselves, nobody asked them, to fund the pergola. Hey, Jesus, can you, can, can you, would you use my boat to fish for people through a quiet place of prayer? That's awesome. It's just a, a nudge to use that part of my boat. Uh, Mark and Denise Tornberg are members here for a long time, and they're both elders. He's a business data analytics guy. She's a school counselor. They have a good marriage, but they're very open to anybody who asks that they have to work at it in cycles every few years. They looked up a couple years ago, saw all the prayer requests that go on here about struggling marriages. And they said, Jesus, here's our boat. We don't have a perfect marriage, but we have a lot of experience working on it. I hope you can use it. And they initiated our church's marriage ministry that attempts to meet needs of, of preparation for marriage proactive maintenance of marriages and problem-solving in marriages. And it's gorgeous. That's their boat. Hey, Jesus, yeah, you can get in the boat of us working on our marriage. And they've used it to be a a ministry that blesses so many people. In James 1.28, the Bible tells us it especially honors God when we care for orphans and widows, quote, in their distress. An IT professional here at Lake Forest named Dustin he recently heard a request from a widow here at Lake Forest that she needed help fixing her computer so she could keep running her business from home and support herself financially and he thought well Jesus my boat is IT knowledge I'll let you use my boat and he took a day he found an extra laptop he set her all up tight and she landed a deal the next week and she's incredibly grateful Jesus you can use my boat I got work to do that day but I'm going to take a day and go serve you one more person at a time because of Jesus. Uh, how many of you came that, who are Christians became a Christian before the age of 20? The statistics are that 80% of people who ever become Christians are before the age of 20. That's why we make a big deal about our Remix youth ministry here. That's why those of you who are heroes, who are Remix leaders, you invest time and energy just being an adult. You hang out with a purpose, mentoring kids, and and I think I have a slide, we're we're still hoping for a few more of you whom God is nudging. Can I use your boat of hanging out with a purpose? You can hang out. And Jesus gives you the purpose with teenagers. Uh, Might he be nudging you to loan him that boat in youth ministry, because that's the normative way the Holy Spirit brings people to faith. And by the way, just a month ago, in Remix, these 16 middle schoolers said, my response to Jesus, I just now prayed to follow him on a Sunday night and remix here. I would like for us to, yeah, approve of that. All right, let's move along. And then, and, and then there's the, the, the summer surf for Kitropolis. Maybe that's a nudge for some of you. I heard for people who jumped in and did that for the first time last summer, uh, they were just so grateful that God used, nudged them, and they heard it, and they loaned the boat of one hour a week on s- summer Sundays when they're in town. And so we all need purpose in our lives. This is not an advertisement for church stuff, by the way. We all need purpose and if we're disciples of Jesus, following in him involves finding our purpose by letting Jesus use our boat every time he nudges of time, talent, treasures to serve one more person at a time to enter his kingdom. So what is your boat that Jesus can use? And are, are, are you letting him use it? What's your, what's your boat? And, and what I find in my life, when I hear Jesus nudge like Peter did that day, and I actually, though reluctantly, like Peter that day, let Jesus use that time, that talent, that treasure, that trade of mine. In the process, my heart is touched once I do it, even though I did so reluctantly at the start. For me, it's kind of over and above ministry opportunities when I was already full. So this happens next. Jesus, this all happens, and he stops his, his talk. Verse 4 of Luke 5, when he finished speaking to the crowds, he said to Simon, row out farther into the deep water, drop your nets for a catch. Luke doesn't tell us what Jesus taught the crowds. Interesting. I'd like to know. I think Luke means to say the message is actually Simon Peter's response to Jesus. He already got him in the boat, let him okay Jesus, and now it's what happens next. He's a flawed but faithful follower Now, the nets were just cleaned. It took an hour, and now they're drying in the sun on the deck. It's daytime. The fish can see the net now. I see you. No fool of me. You hear Simon Peter's mind like, Jesus, I like you. I respect you, but you're a carpenter, bro. You know, you're right. If you want me to go out fishing with bad methodology, are you kidding me? Verse 5, what does he say? Simon replied, Master, we've worked hard all night and caught nothing. But, will you read this next phrase with me? Because you said so, I'll drop the nets. Because you say so, and he signals the boys, they push off and drop the nets in deep water. Because you say so, I hope you'll memorize this. I hope this is what you take away today. Jesus nudged Peter, and even though it was inconvenient, he loaned him his boat. What's your boat? And are you saying yes? For the furtherance of the gospel and jesus didn't do it because he wanted to he's like this is a stupid idea to go back out fishing but because you say so this happens in my life all the time every week it seems like there's one moment where, where jesus is nudging me to do through the holy spirit usually it's through reading scripture that's one reason we get in scripture it's one reason some people avoid scripture Somebody stopped going to this church years ago because they were like, I hear from the Holy Spirit too much in worship at Lake Forest. I can't deal with it. That's an actual quote. And that's why some of us avoid reading God's word or being in community. But a follower is always listening and then responds to the nudge. Because you say so. For me, it was the last mission trip I went on. I try to go every few years, Abe, to follow through on what I say. I try to be a guy, I always tell you I don't do it perfectly, but I'm trying to live by our core values as disciples of Jesus. So I go and I wanna be reminded of what Jesus is doing in the rest of the world and get out of my Lake Norman bubble. And I wanna set an example for you. And so the last time I went, I was like, oh my gosh, I've done this a million, billion times. It wears me out, get on this plane. On an airlines in Latin America, it's you know, all this, you know, all this, I've given out a week of my time. Oh, I've done this a million times. And I got there. But, but Jesus nudged me. Thankfully, I have the accountability. I'm a pastor. You don't even have that. <laughs> I got to go. Okay. You can have my boat. And because you say so, because one of our core values is go on the mission journey like Jesus. Always going on the mission of God, near and far to people like us and not like us, people hungry for food, hungry for God. So I went, and I was with our, the founders of our main partner, CIN, Children's Impact Network, that uh, we've been a part of starting orphanages in, in Central and South America with. Oh, my. And I'm seeing these children that we hear stories about here in our safe spot, who've been rescued out of sex trafficking, begging on the streets, and they're being reparented, and they're growing up healthy, happy, and whole, and knowing and loving Jesus. And with an education, I'm, And I'm wrecked all over again. Oh, Jesus, thank you that you, you had to push me harder than most people to get out, loan you my boat, and to go just because you said so. Whether it's being in community, whether it's serving in ministry, whether it's tithing back to God's work in this world, whether it's going on mission, whether it's investing my life in one more person who's given up on church but not on God. Okay, because you said so, Jesus. That's the way of a disciple. That was the way Jesus lived. I'm going to do it. And I, was wrecked, and, and I was filled with joy and hope and purpose and admiration all over again of the way God uses you and me together as the church in this case, to rescue vulnerable children the other side of our hemisphere. Well done for those of you serving that way. I'm proud of you. So whether it's you, you may feel like Peter did that morning. Oh, man, community group again? I'm tired. Oh, God, I said I would keep nursery? Dude, we were out late last night, that thing. Oh my gosh, I, I, I kind of said I'd be a remix leader and Sunday night is when I like to chill and watch The Simpsons and AFV. But the nudge, man, I, I, here's why. I, I, friends, I wanna encourage you, do the things that a follower of Jesus is called to do when you don't feel like doing them because Jesus is nudging you. I wanna encourage you to offer your boat to Jesus because you, he says so, your time, your talent, your treasures, whatever, and say, here I am. End of the story, verse 6. So they dropped the nets, and their catch was so huge their nets were splitting. They signaled for their partners in the other boat to come help them. They filled both boats so full that they were about to sink. That was their two employees. So what does Simon Peter do? He's, has an aha. He's been hanging out with Jesus long enough. It didn't happen all at once. It doesn't for most of us, but now it does. Verse 8. Leave me, Lord, for I'm a sinner. He realizes the person in the boat with him is no mere mortal. I felt that on that mission trip. I didn't want to be there. I was writing sermons on the plane and trying to get out of the team meetings. And then I experienced the love of Jesus arcing between those children and our people. Oh, Lord. I'm a sinner, but you're the Messiah. Thank you for letting me follow you and giving me purpose and hope in my life. Verse 11, here's what Jesus said, 10 and 11, here's what Jesus says back to him Don't be afraid. From now on, you'll be fishing for people. And as soon as they brought the boats to the shore, they left everything and followed Jesus. Isn't that cool how that's the extended DVD version of what Mark said in his gospel? And there's a lot of stories like that when you learn to cross-reference in the Bible. You don't have to have me for that. To be a Christian is pretty simple. Jesus asks us to follow him and acknowledge that he is Christ, the Lord of all, through whom and in whom all things were made, and the Savior who has atoned for your sins and mine and the sins of the world through his sacrificial death on the cross, who offers new life and power of his resurrection through his resurrection to all who put our faith in him and say, I will follow you. As a follower, you practice this week, looking for where he's nudging you to use your boat. And when it's inconvenient, say, Lord, because you say so. Let's pray. And then we're just gonna worship this and let you talk to Jesus for a while. If you agree and are willing, I'd like for you to say a one word Prayer. Yes. Just whisper that to him, quietly or silently, if you're willing. Pray it now, yes. You tell him again, yes. Yes, Jesus, I will follow you. Yes, Jesus, I want to be your disciple. Yes, you can use my boat. Yes, Lord, I wanna fish for people. And I pray you'll use us as a congregation, Lord, people sitting in this room are influential to so many people help us to be influencers for you jesus even when we don't feel like it yes we will follow you because you say so and we're going to tell you this at, in our worship through singing now in jesus name amen